today on the Main Quest podcast. It's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast with enough money to acquire your podcast. As always, I am your host, Keith, and it's back, baby. It, the quest quest is back on, back on track. It's 2022, and uh, well, fortunately, I, I guess it's the same as it ever was. I'm sure there's a lot of new people listening. I've seen a few creepers checking out previous episodes, and um, all I can say as an exhibitionist is that I love it. So welcome. It, you might already know, but this this is a podcast where I generally talk about really old games that I grew up with. I replay them and try to figure out if they're still worth playing today. There's many podcasts out there that are like mine, but this one is mine. There are many podcasts trying to kill me. How does that quote go? Anyway, <laughs> I've, um, yeah, I've been gone for like well over a month now, a little over a month and a half by the time that this airs. So I suppose I should do like a not hit the pot or hit the podcast, hit the mic, uh, like a, a state of the podcast address here in this new year of our Lord 2022. Kind of like, I guess, kind of like an update or like how well I thought the last year of the podcast went, right? It's good. I I set out to accomplish some stuff last year and I, I feel like I did pretty well. Uh, there's a merch store that's up and out there and has been pretty successful so far. I plan on updating the merch as we go along. Um, I should probably do that as soon as possible. Um, it has been a while, but also I'm the one designing all the stuff that you see there. So I guess I require a bit of patience on your end. And one of the other things I set out on was to have more guests on that weren't my brother. And I fully accomplished that. I think on average, I had at least like two guests on a month and that's something I do want to carry on with, but as some returning listeners know, I'm severely awkward, and some of you guys that know me personally can attest to that. Um, yeah, I said it many times. It's just it's hard for me to just go out there and message somebody and be like, "Hey, you want to play this old ass game and talk about it?" Because <laughs> a lot of people don't want to play an old ass game; they want to play something a little more modern and. That's understandable, but uh, this podcast is first and foremost covering retro games. So retro games it is. And there's also like, I realize there are some people that they don't want to have the weight or like the responsibility of coming onto the show and shitting on the game because they actually legitimately hated it. And that's something I totally welcome. Don't expect me to like the game either. It's entirely possible. Just because it's a classic doesn't mean you have to like it. I love that quote. 
that's that's perfect. It sums up the show perfectly. I forgot who sent me that. I'm sorry if you're listening after all this time. I forgot your name. DM me. Let me know. What else? I think that's pretty much all I did accomplish, actually. It doesn't sound like much, but again, like I do everything by myself. I'm still kind of on the fence about starting a Patreon. I guess I have questions for you guys. Maybe that's something I do on social media, like like I make a poll. and Maybe that could kind of guide guide me to to a proper decision. Um, because I don't I don't want to put out a bunch of bonus stuff that nobody's gonna pay for, and it kind of just goes unheard. So, in hind- like that could just be a fat treasure trove of content for whenever people do want to jump in. I have a ton of ideas for stuff that I I just want to put out there, and I mean, honestly, whether I get a dollar for it or not, in the end, doesn't really matter to me what else um yeah there was a couple things and at this point I, I honestly forgot uh there was another show that i was kind of working on and um it's something that i'm i'm working on i guess i'll just let you know i'm working on it with ryan from list off I, I admit i really dragged my feet on this last year and i, I think as far as stuff that i want to accomplish this year that's like that's on top of the list. You you could say, <laughs> you could say, it's my number one pick. <laughs> so uh, that's about it. Uh, there's some stuff I've been thinking about when it comes to how the show is formatted. But honestly, like if it ain't broke, why fix it? So I mean, there's some tightening up that I'm going to be doing. Uh, you may notice it. You might not. I'm not exactly exquisite in using subtlety, but some returning listeners might notice like, oh, I see he kind of uh, took this out and added this and uh, what have you. So I guess instead of talking about what I played while I was on hiatus, I think I'm going to save it for the next episode. You know, while I was gone, if you follow the show on Instagram, you probably saw that I did the best boy bracket. I basically Michael Vicked. 32 of video games best dogs put pit them against each other to find out who the best boy in gaming is and as of this recording it is the semifinals so it's amaterasu i don't even know if i'm saying that correctly versus growlith and polterpup versus rush and it has been a crazy couple of weeks there have been a lot of upsets for me personally honestly i've heard i've heard some things from you guys as well you know this isn't this isn't even the the final four that i i personally expected to see here but this has all been voted on by you guys and it's it was actually a ton of fun putting up these these rounds the past few weeks so thank you guys for even participating in that it's um it's something that i just i wanted to put together so that i just wouldn't be completely absent from your lives and yes, you best believe that there will be uh, the best uh, asshole cat bracket in the works later this year. Pending title for that one. 
So enough with the monologuing today. Let's finally do it. Let's get into the first game of 2022. Today I played Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Chippendale Rescue Rangers is a side-scrolling platformer developed and published by Capcom. It is based on the Disney property of the same name, and it is the second of the many Disney Capcom-developed games after the first one that they made, which is previous episode. So if you're a, a regular listener... You might have noticed that I just skipped right past my personal history with the game. That's for obvious reasons. But the cartoon the game is based on, I I actually remember a little bit better than I do DuckTales. Um, growing up, we had a lot of Disney stuff around the house. But for the most part, like I wouldn't call myself a, a Disney kid. And I guess as an, as an adult, I, I can't really say that either because Disney... I guess literally owns everything now, so I guess they got me, motherfuckers. So I did and do have, like, my favorite animated Disney movies. Like, I I love The Lion King. Lion King's my favorite Disney movie. Uh, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, stuff like that. But the cartoons just, I don't know, kind of seemed like B and C tier stuff to me. And so I never really paid any attention to the the cartoons really especially chippendales so i mean i'm sure while it kept my attention when i was younger i don't ever think i actually really liked it and i do remember my parents buying me a a chip doll when i went to go see disney on ice which i actually remember i don't remember much of seeing disney on ice i just remember it being completely traumatic because Around the same time, my mom had lost her voice, and I remember thinking that like she would never talk again. <laughs> but in reality, like I don't know, she probably she probably just lost it from yelling at my brother and I or something like that. So it was it was something that was just like I never heard of that happening before. And my mom was just kind of like like she was talking, but it was so quiet and like slightly raspy that I was like, oh no, she's never. <laughs> This is, there's no coming back from this. I'm never going to know what she's saying. I'm going to have to learn sign language. I'm going to actually have to like put forth the effort as a small child of learning a whole other language. <laughs> so anyway, kind of like DuckTales. Enough of my childhood trauma. The, the Rescue Rangers was just it, like DuckTales. It was just kind of there. It, it never made an impact on me. But Capcom, they made an impact on Disney. Because from DuckTales on, Capcom would go on to make like a ton of Disney properties for the NES. There's Tailspin, uh, The Little Mermaid, Darkwing Duck, a uh, future episode coming next month, Mickey Mouse Capade, and the sequel to DuckTales, obviously. Um, and then there's a sequel to this game as well. So we've got uh, Main Quest alumni here, Tokuro Fujiwara. Uh, he headed up the production of a majority of these disney properties is 
uh, he did with this one. And another composer that I've talked a lot about on the show, Harume Fujita, uh, she did the music for Chippendales as well. We'll get into the music later, but like, I mean, we've talked about it. Her resume is insanely impressive, and I know I've praised her stuff before, and what she did for this game is actually a little bit lackluster. Around this time, Capcom was very busy developing games for the Super Famicom. And with a new console, obviously, comes with a new sound chip. And so this is like, I guess this is just me being a little presumptuous. Maybe uh, she was having a hard time going back and forth between the chipsets. But I mean, honestly, like, who knows? Like, I, I guess I'll talk about it a little, bo- little bit more when we talk about the music here. So Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers was released in June 1990 in Japan for the Famicom. And just one day later in the United States for the NES, and December of 91 in PAL territories. It is the first game that I covered that has actually only been released on one system. It has not been ported to anything else. And to top this off, I couldn't find any real review scores for this outside of EGM, which at the time gave this a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, There was a Nintendo Power score, but, I mean, what do you think Nintendo Power gave a Nintendo game? Like, of course, it's a nearly perfect score. It's a a 4 out of 5. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, I keep on putting an S on Dale. It's Chippendale Rescue Rangers was followed up again with a sequel in 1993, Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2. It's been a while since I've leaned on the manual for these games to kind of relay what's actually happening in the story which is funny right because story in this era of gaming is pretty much irrelevant it's just incredibly like you can boil it down to good versus evil (laughs) and it's also a disney property so don't expect too much here uh the only thing i i guess i would like to point out is that there's these items in the game and they're bombs Simple, very obviously animated bombs, which Chip and Chip or Dale, Chip and Dale, can they can just throw these at enemies. But because this is a Disney game, they don't actually call these items bombs in the manual. They're called black balls. So that's kind of what this game is. It's safe. Some of the enemies, including the bosses, just kind of don't make a lot of sense you know by this time as video games got bigger and bigger and nintendo became a household name the more scrutinized video games became in, in media it's kind of where the whole i guess like loser video game nerd stereotype is, is sort of formed and i'm not saying that this game is like solely responsible for any of that but like Disney sees dollar signs. So with that kind of like social context in there, why not have one of the most inoffensive games that you can put out there? So first off, when when you start the game, you have your choice of Chip or Dale, which also opens this game to couch co-op if you've got a friend with you. But if you're flying solo, it, it doesn't really actually matter who you go with because they play exactly the same. Uh, then we got what's going on in the story. You have you have pretty much the entire cast 
And our mission, our first, I guess our first of two missions, is to find a cat that has gone missing. They have long arms and legs, and they're a little skinny. I'm looking for cats. And then eventually that kind of turns into that we find out a fat cat has tricked the rescue rangers. I don't know how you trick, trick that. Did he just make like a phone call and disguise his voice? <laughs> anyway. While Chip and or Dale are out, he um, kidnaps Gadget. Fat Cat kidnaps their little mouse girlfriend and because uh, she's a woman and she needs rescuing. Rescue Rangers. Is that what that is? And so that, that becomes the ultimate be-all, end-all thing that we have to do in the video game. Between levels, we hear from Gadget as she kind of gives us like tips on the upcoming stages because I guess she's been there before. Got a little bit like, um, you know, Lala in Adventures of Lolo. You know, she lets us know, you know, what obstacles are coming up, what which ones to avoid, any new mechanics that will be introduced, um, stuff like that. That kind of actually makes the game a little easier than it already is. Like if you didn't, if you didn't have these little interstitials here, like it would be kind of like a minor difference, but it does doesn't have a whole lot of impact either way. Um, but, you know, kids want to see these things. They want to see the characters that they saw on TV. So it's fine. They're fine here. far as how the game plays uh it's got a lot of mario 2 usa i guess i i gotta use that to preface that uh it's got a lot of mario 2 usa baked into it yeah you, you can pick up objects you could throw them at enemies and some of the objects you pick up will even have items placed underneath them that you can grab uh, stuff like uh, health pickups there's a type of currency and they're like uh, they're just like stars, and if you collect enough stars, you will be rewarded with a 1-up. Some objects will be too heavy for your character to lift, but they will pick them up and it just makes them move a lot slower. And honestly, this mechanic kind of sucks. There's no, really, there's no real benefit to carrying these heavy objects. For me, I just, I would, if I would come across them, I would just pick them up, throw them, and grab whatever power up was underneath them and move on. Tossing items similar to Mario 2 USA are one of the only ways of actually attacking the enemies. Except in this game, you can actually toss the items in any direction, which is great because there's actually a lot of vertical platforming in the game, which is something I totally have to get credit for or credit to Capcom for, which I will probably later take away in a couple minutes here. Um, and another really gracious thing that they put in here is that you can just hold down, down, and press A and just go through the platforms. Just like similar to Contra. And that's something that I haven't seen in a lot of games that I've played for the show. And um, it's crazy because we're already nearing the end of my NES catalog. So it's kind of crazy and I just needed to put that in here. But what's a little more interesting about this game is the, I guess, pseudo stealth elements, which actually sidesteps the whole act of 
the obvious violence, violence in quotes, of throwing objects at your enemies. Because why throw objects at your enemies when they can just run into you? So basically what I'm talking about is, so you can, can basically solid snake your way through the levels by picking up boxes and hiding in them. Which is the cheapest way just to get through this game. Because when you encounter enemies, they will just rubber band themselves around you like on site. Not even on site. Like as soon as you land on the same platform as an enemy, they aggro like right away. And they don't even have to see you. They just... They can have their backs turn and then just suddenly turn and just haul ass directly at you. So as long as you're carrying a box with you, just pop right into that thing. And when the enemy runs into you, they just they die. So as ridiculous as it is, it's actually probably the best way to get through the game. As is tradition with platformers, there's a lot of jumping. The jumping doesn't feel very good. For whatever reason, the monks are really really floaty so there's a lot of times that you could just overshoot a jump or accidentally jump onto another platform by accident and there's something quick about the jump as well like there's almost zero gravity in this world like you just blast right off into the air and i don't like it it doesn't feel good you know at times i guess i could say it's generous but most of the time like you I just don't like it. It's fucking weird. And the other thing that I couldn't get with, which is, I guess it's kind of a minor gripe, um, is that you have to stand next to the objects to pick them up, like either on the left or right side, which is fine. But like, I have that habit ingrained in me that was jumping on top of stuff and picking them up the way you do in Super Mario Brothers 2. At Capcom, you are asking a lot of me to shake that muscle memory off. But another thing that actually really sucks about this game is that the screen has ratchet scrolling, which Mario 2 did away with, which is why the verticality in that game works so well. And then it doesn't hear. First episode of the year, and the cat is just loud as hell. Where are you? Dude. You good? He's all right. Uh, what was I talking about? The ratchet scrolling. Um, so like there's some stages in Rescue Rangers that have you climbing up the screen to progress. But if you fall or miss a jump, because again, the jumping really sucks in this game. If you fall, you just straight up die. You die. You basically make your own pits <laughs> because... You, there's just, like Mario 2, there's just no falling down to the nearest platform. I don't, I don't really want to talk about these levels too much. There is a level here that's super annoying because there's these wind mechanics. There's a couple games in this era that try to make wind mechanics a thing, and they all suck. It's the opposite of having sliding mechanics on like ice stages and stuff. With wind mechanics, all you do is just move really, really slow. And the second you jump, all your momentum shifts the other way. And it sucks. It's bad. It's always bad. It should have never been a thing, especially in retro games. It's 
it's padding. Honestly, it's mechanical padding. And even worse in this game is that the enemies. Okay, I should back up, right? Let me back up. Let's talk about the stage. So this level takes place inside a bedroom or an office, and there's these desk fans. So that's what's trying to blow you away are just like these gigantic desk fans. And perched on top of each fan are these pelican enemies that are impossible to jump over. So you either misjudge your jump and get blown away and have to sit there and just very, very slowly make your way back to where you were. Or just fucking YOLO the shit out of your jump and just take a hit, which might get you over the pelican enemy or it might get you blown back again. So it's like you start over and then you have also lost a bit of your health as well. So it's like double shitty. (laughs) So which also leads me to bring up just the awful knockback. You know, knockback is here in the equation. So even if you take the hit and you do get over the enemy, you might just fall straight into a pit and go fuck yourself. So yeah, this entire stage is, it's garbage. It's trash. Then there's another level that has like these platforms that fall from under your feet. If you stand on them and then before you even step on them, like you, you know what you're in for because the color of these platforms look completely different from the rest of the platforms on the stage. Like you, you know what's going to, if you played a video game, you're like, oh, these are probably going to fall. But what doesn't make any sense is that even if you step on the platform before it even falls, it hurts you and then falls. It's really dumb. (laughs) It's so stupid. Even if the platform falls, the platform still shouldn't hurt you. It's the fall that hurts you. And like, yeah, you could argue like, oh, yeah, the platforms are obviously marked. You know which ones are going to fall. It should be easy to avoid, to avoid, but it still shouldn't steal health from you just because you're standing on it. As for bosses, the only boss that really makes any sense is the final boss, who's Fat Cat. But all the other ones are just, I don't know, like unimaginative garbage. One of them is, like, I don't even know what it is. It's it's like a, it's a pole that has six arms. And two of the arms, like the hands are holding on to like scrubbing brushes or something and it amounts to really nothing mechanically like almost every boss in this game is defeated the exact same way there's a ball on screen you pick it up and you throw it at the obvious weak spot there's another boss that's like it's just an owl and it moves around the screen back and forth and that's it later you fight a fish that literally is the exact same fight as the owl but it is a fish and instead of dropping feathers it drops lightning bolts which makes sense um the most annoying boss is the casino boss which is of course a slot machine 
Um, and on top of the slot machine, there's like a cat that's throwing coins at you. Not Meowth. Something like Meowth. Again, with this boss, all you do is you pick up the ball at the center of the stage like all the others and throw it at it. But what makes this boss the worst is that there are these two spikes in the floor. And these spikes like themselves, the sprites, they're not even placed very well. There's like one all the way to the left of the screen and then another one which is placed just slightly right of center of the screen. It's so awkward looking. Like it throws my OCD out of control, man. It is fucking weird. It feels like somebody at Capcom was like, wow, this is this fight. It's it's just like all the other bosses. We need something here, guys. We need to think of some, how can we how can we change this up? And so then they literally just went back in, stamped some spikes into the arena and shipped it. But it's it's not the fact that the spikes exist and that are there. That's fine. In any game, they would be easily handled, e easily navigated across, across, around. It's the hitboxes on these spikes that suck. Now, to be clear, as I'm talking about these spikes, what you're probably thinking, there's probably a drop-off from the main platform that you're standing on. And, the, and then there's just like a pit, you know, like a pit with spikes, like in a regular video game. That's not the case. That's That's not this. The spikes are flush with the floor <laughs> that you are running around on. And so that's what I mean. That's what I, I'm kind of trying to convey that this was just some really lazy design. It literally just looks like Capcom at the last second threw these in here and put them in the most inconvenient place with shitty hit detection just to make at least like one of the bosses somewhat challenging. And it's not even the final boss. It's like the fourth or fifth boss or something like that. Back to the hitboxes with these. It's it's not like the boss itself is actually very hard. But these spikes, like, you don't even have to fall on them to get hit. You just have to be, like, standing next to them within, like, four or five pixels away from them on either side to actually get hit. Like, you, do, you don't even have to be touching them. You don't have to touch them. I died so many times. Because you only have such a small space in which you get to stand and actually like throw the ball at the boss. Because the hitbox on these spikes, especially the one that is slightly off center, it's trash. It's so bad. I don't know why they did this. <laughs> Besides that, all the bosses suck. They suck in design, interactivity, all of that stuff. They're, they're just bad. And yeah, they're easy, which is a weird thing to complain about, especially in an era where games are incredibly difficult, but they're all the same. There's just so boring. So the most positive aspects of this game, in, in my opinion, are the graphics. It looks really good. It's on par with what Capcom did with DuckTales. Surely nobody at Disney actually 
played DuckTales. I'm sure nobody did. Highly doubt it. They probably looked at what Capcom did graphically and were like, yeah, that looks great. You should just do that again. And if you're a fan of the cartoon, I don't see how you could be disappointed in, in what's in this game. Aside from the bosses, which are incredibly obtuse. And I'll remind you guys, like, I'm not f- that familiar with the cartoon. I don't think any of the bosses in this game, aside from Fat Cat, are characters in the cartoon. Like, I, I don't know. There's a caterpillar boss at the end of the game. Maybe that's from the source material. I don't know. Again, I'm talking about the bosses again. They fucking suck. Graphics. All the characters look exactly like they do in the cartoon, the, the main characters. I'd even say that the, the in-game sprites for Chip and Dale actually pretty adorable. <laughs> Those are probably some of my favorite sprites in, in the NES library, I guess. And the final boss is nothing like a really big, bold, well-animated sprite on a screen. You, you take a look at the dragon from Mega Man 2 or, um, yeah, I don't know. That's the best thing I can think of right now at the, at the moment off the top of my head. Uh, that's what you get with this final boss. F- Fat Cat is just this gigantic sprite. It looks really, really good. Although it's a meaningless fight in the end because it's one of the most inconsequential boss fights I've ever had to play. Um, it still looks really good. Game looks good, period. So come to the music here. How do May Fujita and her wonderful scores bless this podcast many, many, many times. But I just, I'm not sure if 1990 was her year. Because I don't think, when I think of Mega Man 3, when I covered it for the show, I don't think I was too hot on that soundtrack. I think Gargoyle's Quest came out in 1990 also. Maybe that was 91. Around the same time, either way, it's probably being developed. I remember liking that. Um, solely based on just what she did was able to do with the hardware that that game was built for. Either way, I mean, she did her homework. And I always gotta give points to any composer who puts the theme song in any of these licensed games. It was strange hearing it the first time, though, because I was like, is this really the Chippendale song? Like, I had a lot of doubt. And so I I had to double check, like, immediately because I don't remember the song, like, sounding so ominous. Um, But it kind of is. It's not like until the chorus hits that that like hook comes through, but it starts out like kind of really slow and ominous. And I just didn't remember that. But to be totally honest, DuckTales, totally a better theme song. You can fight me about that all day. The rest of the soundtrack is fine. I don't think it's very memorable. Like I think, I think about the opening stage for for Gargoyle's Quest, like that song is fucking sick. Everything in Ghosts and Goblins, great. I didn't really like Bionic Commando that much, but I mean, I sure as shit remember all the drumming that was programmed in that game. I could not hum a single thing from this game aside from the theme song, which is something that she did not write. On top of that, if you get caught up on a stage and spend too much time on it, the songs do get repetitive. But honestly, if it's anything that I've learned up to this point is I guess when you get a decent NES soundtrack, you just kind of take it. So the stuff Vegeta makes isn't bad and this soundtrack itself isn't bad. So 
guess I'll just take it. pretty much going to wrap it up. I'm going to summarize my thoughts here. Would I recommend Chippendale Rescue Rangers in 2022? I'm just going to be a straight G and say no, I wouldn't. I think it's worse than DuckTales. Like the pogo mechanic in DuckTales didn't work as well as I would have liked it, but at least Capcom tried something different with that, right? Rescue Rangers seems way too safe. It's generic as all hell. Yeah, they kind of like put in the like sort of stealth thing to which seems kind of like a countermeasure to having to throw objects at enemies. But honestly, it's really no different than just picking up an item that gives you invincibility, which is still a thing in this game that is an item that you can pick up. So hiding in the box just kind of I don't know, it just kind of negates a hit that you would have otherwise uh, would have had to eat. And again, as far as the mechanics go, this, this jump is just really floaty for like no reason. The bosses, boring, have nothing to do with the franchise. The only thing it really has going for it is that it looks good and the music is pretty decent. Outside of that, there's really nothing going on in this game at all. Like, if you want something similar to this, go play Mario 2. The game is so much better. And depending on which character you choose, you get different abilities. Comparatively, there's no difference between Chipper Dale. There are no difference in abilities. They're the same character. I kind of feel like an asshole because, yeah, this game is safe. It's very playable, very approachable, very easy. It's not often you get NES games like this. But man, this game is skippable. I mean, you do not need to play this game. There, you gain nothing from it. So that's it. All the socials to my Instagram and Twitter are available via my link tree, which can be found in the show notes. And in all honesty, Instagram is the place where you would want to be. You can see what's coming up on the show. I often post stuff related to the episodes that are coming up and uh, a lot more. You know, like the big boy bracket, which is probably over by this time. Other than that, um, yeah, it's on to the next game, right? So next week, I'm talking about the second game developed by Rare. We are going, yep, doing another Rare game. It's Wizards and Warriors. So thank you guys so much for listening. Love being back. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Take care of yourselves. See you next week.